The show where we talk about the world of gaming. My name is Jake. I'm a sophomore, and uh, my favorite game genre is open-world RPGs. Hi, my name is Christian. I'm a junior, and I primarily like RPGs, JRPGs. Um, and sadly, because Luna and Aiden were seniors, they had to go to college, and they had to leave us behind. So we got new people. Uh, hello, my name is Tyler. I'm a sophomore, and my favorite genre of games are rhythm games, specifically dance games like Dance Dance Revolution and Pump It Up. Only real ones know the second one. <laughs> Nerd. Hey, my name is Paul, and my favorite video game genre is basically everything that's Nintendo. Okay. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about uh, the most like influential and like the most obscure consoles. So first, we're going to talk about uh, influential consoles. Uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System slash Famicom, or also known as the NES. Or the Nintendo if you're my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Or the Wii. Everything is the Wii. You playing with your old Nintendo? <laughs> Released over July 15th, 1983 by Nintendo, over 60 million copies were sold. Revo- it revolutionized the controller design. Previous console controllers were just too simple. Much more comfortable and allowed for more developed game b- gaming experience. Most, if not all, modern controllers have aspects from the NES. Established Nintendo has a as a major player in the industry. Yeah, because modern controllers don't look like the Atari stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. they, they just don't look They're, like a rectangle with a zone. No. Did you guys know that the uh, Atari joystick is actually a joystick? It's literally just a D-pad. Really? It's, really? Just, a, it's just a D-pad. Yeah, yeah, it's a glorified D-pad that just look that is longer. Uh, one of the most influential parts of the NES was how it basically saved all of gaming in the uh, U.S. in the uh, fabled year of 1983, where William Mappet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, it uh, it b- it basically pulled America out of something called the video game crash of 1983. Which, if you don't know, um, when the Atari was a thing, uh, the f- stores were flooded with crappy third-party games. Uh, and when parents would go to the store their bu- to buy their kids Atari games, they had no idea if they were coming home with crap or uh, something actually quality. Um, and this was a huge problem back in the day. And it got so bad that uh, parents just stopped buying video games altogether because really? just people just got bored of it. Yeah. Would um, you give an example of a oh. third-party trash game? Oh, E.T. On oh, E.T. Everyone knows yes. that one. Yeah, that's the most famous one. It was so bad it ended up in a landfill. Yeah, yeah. there are thousands of copies just in a landfill in Mexico. If you watch the... I forget what it's called. There's a video game document documentary on Netflix that talks about the guy who made the E.T. game. Wow. Uh, he was really, like, crunch for time. So crunch culture was even a thing even back then. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, and it hasn't been crunch solved. Culture. Uh-huh. Um, so after that, uh, Nintendo wanted to bring over their, uh, family computer enter- uh, game system from Japan called the Famicom over there. Um, but they had to change a few things. Uh, first of all, obviously because of the things that were going on, they can't call it a gaming system. What if no one buys it? So they branded it as an entertainment system, changed it from a gaming console look to, um, to fit more of a VCR. If you've seen an NES, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and they called it an entertainment system rather than a game system. So it could fit right next to, um, your VCR right on your shelf. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, as you, as you all know, 
uh, Nintendo blew up in the States, and everyone had one, uh, at least everyone who could afford it, and um, it, it really just um, saved the whole gaming industry and it, uh, in the U.S., and if it weren't for Nintendo bringing over their Famicom from Japan, uh, we probably wouldn't have games as we know it today. Uh, and one of the big reasons for this was because they t- they really cracked down on the third-party games um, with a lockout chip system and a licensing system. So they made it so that um, you could only make games for the system. Uh, like, they would only function if they had a special chip in the, in the cartridge um, supplied by Nintendo. They were like contraband. So um, uh, that basically just took away all the crappy third-party uh, games. So, yeah. Saved all of gaming in America. It's really interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad that the, uh, Nintendo was there because how could I spend countless hours wasting my time <laughs> yeah. if it weren't for Nintendo? What are you going to do? Go outside? No. Read? Abso- no. no. We wouldn't have this podcast. Yeah, yeah. We would not be here if it weren't for Nintendo. Nintendo's actually my mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so... So another uh, very influential console was the first PlayStation. It was released on uh, December 3rd, 1994 by Sony. Uh, a lot were sold. 100, 102.49 million were sold. It was like it was really influential because it was one of the first uh, successful consoles to use discs instead of cartridges. Like everything before it used cartridges. Which could, u- which could hold a lot more data than the cartridges. Uh, the N64 cartridges, which is the Nintendo console at the time, could only hold up to like 64 megabytes of data. And CDs could only uh, could hold up to like 800, uh, 800 700 uh, megabytes of data, which is, almost, which is over 10 times the amount of data. So they could uh, incorporate a lot, more, um, a lot more content, a lot uh, higher quality visuals, uh, music, and stuff like that. Yeah, it could be a lot more complex games. Mm-hmm. And it was also like one of the first consoles to be able to render 3D visuals, which was huge for the time because everything was like 2D at the time, so they could make much more like complex games again. They beat Nintendo to yeah. uh, 3D. Um, oh really? Yes. 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 I didn't know that. Yeah, I think uh, the PlayStation came out like two years before the yes. uh, N64. N64 came out in '96 or '97. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it uh, another big reason that it was influential was it, it showed that n- gaming wasn't just like a big competition between two companies which were like Sega and, not, and Nintendo which were the two big companies in the 90s yeah it like this is a common trend with these influential consoles yeah um and then another influential console was the Xbox 360 woo yeah. let's go <laughs> I think this the, guy uh, likes the Xbox 360 I don't yeah, know about y'all this one's much more recent it's it was released uh, on November 22nd 2005 by Microsoft um a uh, 80, over 84 million were sold, and uh, it, Xbox Live, which was like the the, ser- the online service that came with the Xbox 360, it really revolutionized like online multiplayer gaming, be- and it made like playing with friends so much easier instead of having to like do all this stuff with, like your internet, like LAN parties, like you didn't have to do that as much anymore. Like it was just oh my friends online, let me invite them to the party, we can play now. The online play was actually brought uh, to life. The Xbox Live started with um, X- the original Xbox, mm. which was still big. Don't get me wrong. Halo 1 and 2 were like historical events when they came out. They were really big. But Xbox 360 was, um, uh, it really took it a step forward with um, broadband internet. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, maybe the Xbox 360 was like cheaper. It really just like with all of the extra things that Xbox 360 brought to the table and uh, with Xbox Live, and since they they did it before PlayStation, the PS3 brought in internet connectivity 
um, that generation, and Microsoft already had all this experience, so they could do it the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think also another reason is because they added 360 more Xboxes, like Xbox <laughs> 360, like, yeah, sign me up, 360 yeah. more Xboxes, I want that. <laughs> and then they minus it by 359, the next generation. RIP. <laughs> okay, and another uh, thing that was really influential was that it, the Xbox 360 introduced uh, an achievement system, which was like not very common for consoles back in early 2000s. And so, like, the achievement system and, like, the earning gamer score encourage players to, like, really explore more and achieve more and, like, really dig into, like, the secrets of every game. And, like, so they can, like, ooh, are you better than your friends? And you have more, are you, do you play more video games than them? Ooh. They also encourage players to have friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're so, like, you guys need to make some. Y'all really need them. Xbox 360 uh, incentivized people to compete with their non-existent friends uh, <laughs> and also meet people over Xbox Live to then compete against. Yeah. So that you can hear people uh, yelling at you uh, yeah. For, yeah. Uh, after killing them in COD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also a, a really big thing is that it really broke Sony's dominance in the gaming market because in the early 2000s, the PlayStation was like... The PlayStation 2. Yeah, pl- mm-hmm. play, the, yeah, the series of PlayStations. 150 million sold. Yeah, st- it's still the most it's still the most selling uh, like console, console. But like, it, it broke the dominance. It made it so that Microsoft and Xbox were also big figures in the industry. Uh, and next up, we have the Oculus Rift. Uh, it released on March 28th, 2016 by Oculus. Um, this was before they were bought by Meta. Um, they Over its lifetime, it sold uh, 55,000 units, which is, which, uh, is not big at all by today's standards with VR, but it's more than four. And it was the it was the first virtual reality headset that brought that really brought virtual reality to consumers. Before it was just in like sci-fi movies and um, like um, those ads, like oh, virtual reality, like how the like how cryptocurrency is now. It's like it was one of those. Uh, it, it was just it was like this magical thing that didn't exist yet, but is the future. Yeah. So um, uh, Oculus took it upon themselves to really to bring the first ever um, successful headset to the consumers. Um, I'm not sure how affordable it was, but um, a, pu- a bunch of people bought it and it led to the creation of all the other virtual reality headsets that we know, like the Valve Index, uh, HTC Vive, um, um, Quest in Quest 2, and now the Quest Pro. Um, it, um, it, it encouraged the the start of Steam VR, which is the biggest VR game marketplace, um, and one of my favorite all-time games, VR Chat. Yeah, so I'm very grateful for the Oculus Rift's uh, existence. Without it, uh, we probably wouldn't have VR in the home that we like we do right now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, now that we've gone through all of the influential consoles, uh, let's about let's talk about obscure stuff. Uh, by the way, I don't blame anyone re- uh, viewing or listening if they've never heard of these because. I um, because they are very obscure. Um, all right, so let's start with the Philips CDI. The CDI was released on December 3rd, 1991 in North America. So a bit of backstory about uh, Sony and Philips, because Sony actually does have to do with this story. Uh, Nintendo and Sony, during the fourth generation of consoles, which is like the 1990s, made a deal with each other to make an add-on for the uh, Super Nintendo called the SNES CD, which would utilize CD-ROM discs on the Super Nintendo. Think Sega CD with the Genesis. 
Um, they also planned to make a version that had the belt uh, add-on built in, which is nicknamed by uh, fans uh, the Nintendo PlayStation. It's a funny name. Yeah, but it's the PlayStation. Oh my God, guys! The Nintendo uh, PlayStation. That's crazy. Due to disagreements, the console was canceled, and instead, Nintendo made an agreement with Philips to co-develop the CD-ROM attachment for the Super Nintendo. Uh, it never came to fruition, but a part of the contract, Philips was allowed to uh, make games using Nintendo IPs for their Philips CDI console, uh, such as Mario and Zelda, uh, which would birth very infamous games like Hotel Mario and Link the Faces of Evil, which, if you know, are very poor quality games so yeah, very uh, dumpster fire of a uh, console, uh, but very hilarious um, as we get to laugh at uh, <laughs> Philip's demise. And yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to something even more obscure, which is this is like obscure upon obscure. I'm really, like I'm really excited for this one because Tyler specifically told us to not look it up. Yes. Yeah, the story so, is uh, not gonna not trying I'm to hype it up it too up. much, but the story is kind of crazy. I did not want to spoil it for them. So, the Tiger Gizmondo was released on March 19th, 2005 in North America, and the normal version uh, was $400. Only eight of the 14 planned games ever for this console were released in America, and it sold fewer than 25,000 units. Still more than four. Yeah, it, I mean, it is still more than four, but uh, it's less than um, uh, 25,001. <laughs> so, I don't know, kind of a failure. Um, so, Gizmondo Europe was a subsidiary of Tiger Electronics. They were based in Sweden, um, and they made the Gizmondo. One big thing that was advertised was the smart ads, which was basically you could get a um, cheaper version called the smart ads version for $229. Uh, the only thing that would be different from the normal version is that it had it has ads built in. So like in between going in games. Ads? Yeah. When did this come out? This came out in 2005. Oh my God. But the thing is, is that allegedly the feature was never added. So even if you got a smart ad version for $229, you still ended, ended up not getting ads. So the $400 <laughs> Wow. version was literally just a scam. <laughs> oh, my oh my god. Not as much as a scam as those risk games. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or any other tiger yeah. electronic thing ever. The R zone. So this is where this is where stuff gets really silly. So y'all are gonna have to sit down for this one. Um as the demise of the console started when the criminal past of the CEO of Gizmondo, as well as other higher-ups at Tiger Electronics, were publicized by the Swedish press, according to Wired. Um, and it also turned out that the Gizmondo Europe CEO was a part of the Swedish Mafia. Oh, and a few, and a few, weeks, la few weeks later... A few weeks later, crashed a rare Ferrari Enzo while going 162 miles per hour in California. This um, this caused him to be sent to jail and then deported back to Sweden for driving under the influence and other crimes. In 2006, Gizmondo Europe was in $300 million in debt and was forced to file for bankruptcy. Surprisingly, Tiger Electronics, the main uh, the main company, is still up, but Gizmondo is long gone. I think, still that's, I think that's for the best. Oh, what are yeah. they doing? I have no idea. <laughs> what are they doing? They don't. Make I think the... they still make those like tiger little tiger handhelds. Wait, seriously? 
I think. Oh I don't know. Lord, Either that, that or that, they're just reselling like old stock. I, I don't. I don't know what to say about that. I, yeah. I, no. I remember honest, first. So first. Funny. First a hearing game, that I was like a game console that's related to mafia. Yep. That's crazy. Well, yeah. it was just the CEO. It kind of d- doesn't really have anything to do with it, Gizmondo. Well, but like. Well, it was kind yeah. of like it was kind of like the reason that the company went in debt because he kind of got arrested and uh-huh. deported. Yeah, <laughs> can't have that. So that's the story of the Gizmondo. Um, very crazy story, and that's why I wanted to talk about it because I just I just think the story is really funny. Like I would I think the the biggest thing that I wouldn't have ever expected a part of this like oh there's this obscure console made by Tiger Electronics. I wonder why I failed. Oh yeah, the CEO is a part of the Swedish mafia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean like oh what if he just like his criminal ex- uh, history was exposed before. Like, the Giz- this wouldn't have been, like, linked at all to the Gizmondo, but, like, the story of the Gizmondo, because it was, like, kind of bad and didn't have any redeeming qualities about it whatsoever, and this crazy thing happening in the real time, the the story's kind of... Yeah, it was, I think it was just very bad timing. I think I think Breaking Bad would be a lot better if it was about the Tiger Gizmondo, though. No, I, I was just going to say, like, I you were hyping up the story so much, like, I thought that, like, the Gizmondo was actually, like, a, a front for, like, a meth lab or something, <laughs> like Los Boyos Hermanos. Unfor- unfortunately not, but that would also be equally funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think that's all we have for today. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you guys later. I'll see you in the next video.